hello. This is Cindy Briggs, and I'm talking today with Joe Sanok, who is a mental health counselor in Traverse City, Michigan. And Joe, I'm going to make sure I get all your credentials right. You're the owner of Mental Wellness Counseling. You are also the um, brain behind Practice of the Practice. And you currently have a licensed professional counselor, national certified counselor, and limited licensed psychologist credential in Michigan. Do I have all that stuff right? Yeah, you sure do. Uh, Those are all the titles behind my name. Perfect. Thank you. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you today, and um, I wanted to talk to you specifically. We've we've met several months ago via, I can't even remember, social media contacts, and um, I was really drawn to the work that you do because in addition to your counseling practice, you're really focused on helping other counselors understand how to run their own practice and market themselves and develop a social media presence and a web presence, and I think that's a really empowering thing to be doing for professionals in our field who often lack those skills and certainly don't get it in training. So I'd love to start just by hearing about um, your own experience with private practice, what your private practice has been like, and how you came to the decision to start a business for yourself rather than getting a job, say, at a nonprofit or a hospital setting. So if you'd like to talk about those things, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sure. Thank you so much for having me today and just to be able to talk with all of your listeners and just everyone that's interested in what you're doing. So uh, I've been in private practice uh, now for about six years. And uh, a couple years ago, uh, in 2009, I decided to launch my own private practice. And that decision came when my wife and I moved from Kalamazoo, which is south of here by several hours. And initially, when I moved up here, it was I wanted to launch the private practice and to get onto insurance panels. And uh, initially, I just couldn't get onto insurance panels. So I said to myself, why don't why don't I just do kind of fee for service counseling and do private pay for a while till I can get onto insurance panels? And what I found was that I really enjoyed not having to deal with all of the paperwork and the fighting with insurance to get paid and uh, just what I thought were lower rates than what uh, probably even customers were willing to pay. And I still don't even take insurance. And uh, for me, having that freedom uh, of a private practice has really just been exciting in uh, kind of being able to run the practice in the way that that I want to run it and to work with my clients as to what they want to get out of counseling uh, Mm -hmm. rather than have an insurance dictate that or an agency or uh, paperwork from the state. And, of course, I have to follow all the same ethical guidelines and licensure guidelines, but it really comes down to the client and I deciding what's best for the client. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I, that word freedom, I think, is really key to um, the whole process of starting your own practice and doing the work that you're doing. And for myself, doing the work that I've chosen to do, too, with my degree, that freedom piece is hugely important. Uh, do you mind saying a little bit about insurance panels and in your experience, um, just specifics about how much you get reimbursed with insurance versus how much you're choosing to charge without it, just to, just so people Absolutely. have a sense of what that can look like. That'd be sure. great. Sure, sure. Uh, so when, when I was taking insurance, uh, it would range, depending on the plan, uh, anywhere from $52 a session up to 90 to 100 a session. Uh, insurances will really kind of look at the area that you're in and what's the going rate, and so some cities will be higher or lower. Uh, but for me, what was difficult is you know, when you're taking insurance and you're on those panels, you, you can't say, uh, I, 
I want to change the rates. I want to raise my rates. It's entirely dictated by the insurance company. So a kind of typical situation for me uh, would be to have uh, a client that maybe they were under the $53, and that was more kind of the norm than the $90 or $100 sessions. So you're getting $53 a session. Uh, you're not allowed to typically bill for no-shows with a lot of insurances. And so uh, if you're working with more at-risk populations or uh, populations where people maybe have uh, transportation issues, food issues, all sorts of issues uh, around um, just kind of economic concerns, uh, that's a population that obviously needs to be served. But also there's a lot of issues that come in where you end up having to also be a case manager to make sure they come to the sessions. And so I found that oftentimes a good third to a quarter of my sessions were no-shows that you couldn't bill for. And then uh, on top of that, typically you would have to submit paperwork for the first three sessions, and then you would have to call up often kind of an entry-level person that's then making the decision on if you're going to be giving more ses- getting more sessions from the insurance company. So you have your intake and then usually two sessions, and then uh, you have to fax in the paperwork. Oftentimes those faxes, uh, you know, don't get found or they get lost. And I don't know if that's the insurance company trying to slow down the process or if that's just uh, genuinely that their fax machines didn't work very well. Um, So then you end up fighting often with insurance companies for a good hour or two for every three sessions. So if you look at kind of your breakdown of just purely from a business standpoint, and every professional has to decide, you know, if they want to do sliding fee scale, what populations they want to serve. I do think that counselors should work with at-risk populations, whether they choose to do that uh, through an insurance or not an insurance. Uh, Each person kind of needs to decide where they want to volunteer their time. But uh, if you look at that, just purely hourly and business side of it, if you're having three sessions that you're getting $53 per session, and then you maybe have a no-show, there's four hours, and then you fight with uh, the insurance for two hours, uh, you know, that's going to bring you up to about six hours that you're getting paid $150 for. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you really break that down, your hourly rate goes down significantly. Uh, or you have to then schedule people that are more likely to no-show uh, at the end of your day, and then you just go home and don't get paid for that. Um, but more often than not, you want to kind of meet the client's needs and meet when they can meet. So you may be right. sitting in your office and not get paid. So your hourly rate then goes down significantly. And your your rental, all those costs that go into running a private practice, uh, your taxes, still are coming out of that $150. So then on the flip side, when you run uh, a clinical practice uh, on your own without taking insurance, uh, what I did, I started by looking at my community and finding out what the going rate was when I first moved here. So the going rate in my community when I I first got here was between $80 and $100 per session. So I started at $70 per session, uh, just knowing that I would be below the market rate, um, that would be more attractive to some people, and uh, it would draw in more clients quickly. So I started there and then built my practice, built kind of my own expertise in the areas that I was focused on uh, with mental wellness counseling. Uh, That's angry kids, frustrated parents, and distant couples. So I really kind of lasered in on my niche. Uh, And then I say dot, 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 and just about everyone else. But uh, it helps kind of identify me as uh, an expert in a specific field. So after I got onto local radio, started writing articles for our newspaper, uh, launched a stronger website, all those things uh, build kind of that perception of expertise and an actual expertise in the area. Um, But more people then see you as an expert when you're in those media sources. 
So I saw that I was getting more clients and I was getting to the point where I didn't want to take on more clients. And uh, I talked with my brother who's a business consultant down in Chicago and he said, well, you have kind of two options or three options. You can turn people away, you can have a waiting list, or you can just raise your prices. And he noted that if you raise your prices, then you can you know, either make more money or it makes it kind of more worth it for you to come in where you say, you know what, for that amount of money, I'm going to come in and take on some extra clients. So I then raised my prices to or $100 a session. And then about a year later, I raised it to $150 a session. And so now wow. I, can, I can work one hour um, for what in the past was six hours of work. And, right. um, and with that, I have the flexibility. If someone has a life situation or um, something that comes up or uh, there's just, like, for example, uh, I take some referrals from foster care, kids that are in foster care. And they're just really kind of close to my heart with their situation. So it's easier for me to say to an agency, yeah, you can pay me significantly lower than my regular rates because I want to help those kids. And I'm still not taking a cut where it affects my family as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is a really powerful story. And and there's a lot, I have a lot of questions sparking for you from that. Um, But I just want to take a moment and really reflect on the process you're describing a little bit and what what really connects for me about it. Because I think one thing um, that I've noticed across our profession, and this isn't a bad thing, but it's just something for us to be self-aware about, is a lot of times I think counselors have this attitude of, you know, I'm not doing it for the money, I'm doing it for the kids, or I'm doing it for the families, or I'm doing it for my clients. And there's this sort of sense of we're going to just give and we're just going to give until we die. And this is how our profession is set up. And I think... I mean, there's an honor to that. Like you're saying, people need help and you want to be able to accept kids from foster care and take on clients that maybe don't have the financial resources to pay $150 every single session. But at the same time, the idea that we need to care for ourselves and what we do has enormous value and society will not value it until we value it and we start saying that this is what my time is worth. So that image to me of you going from six hours of work for 150 bucks to one hour of work for 150 bucks is really powerful. What do you think about all that? Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. I think that that's something that even I do supervision in Michigan. Uh, there, there's a process where the licensed professional counselors have two years of supervision. Uh, and that's one thing that I work with my supervisees on is really valuing their own time but then realizing that if you charge what you think is fair for your time, you can always decide to volunteer somewhere else. So, for example, mm-hmm. I'm supervising someone that works in the school system, and they get paid around $20 an hour and work 30 hours a week. And so that's around yeah. $600 a week he can get from that from that income. And if you look at how many sessions he could do, he could do four sessions in a week and make $600. If he's at 150 of course, it takes time to build that. But then he could volunteer in the schools for the next four days a week. He could um, go on trips to Haiti, which I'm involved with a microfinance project down there. And it opens up so many doors for, for us. And really, I think as counselors, we don't hear that business side at all in grad school typically. And so uh, we learn about systems. We learn about family systems and societal systems and all the um, just junk in our world that we want to try to change, which is an awesome thing, and it's why 
we're called to this field and that we get involved in this field. And we can't ever lose that in the name of business or making more money. There's got to be that balance there. But I think for most of us, there's that emotional side where we think that if we charge more or if we uh, go for a higher than the market rate. So the market rate in Traverse City is still that 80 to 100. And so my, my cost is almost double that. And so some people would say, oh, you're just taking advantage of people. But uh, I can do things now that I couldn't do before that I think further the field uh, more than if I were having to have 20 to 30 to 40 sessions a week just to make ends meet for my rent and for my my mortgage payment and all those other things. Uh, It opens up more doors and more possibilities. The other point that I want to make is that if we're emotionally – pulling from our clients, if we're meeting our needs of wanting to help the world, uh, I think that can be a dangerous precedent where, uh, and not that we can't do that with our clients, but uh, I like that I have a division between where I volunteer and where I give uh, from my private practice. Uh, it's, Mm -hmm. It's making it, at least in my own head, not a dual relationship. So, if we start to see our clients as the way that we're helping the world and the way that we're uh, going to change the world and that's going to be through our clients, yes, that's you know partially true. But I think when we separate it out and kind of volunteer our time uh, at a different place or give our money at a different place, uh, that that can really help us have better boundaries with our clients too to hold them accountable to things uh, and to help them grow oftentimes faster than maybe they would have if we were getting all of our emotional strength from them if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I think it makes perfect sense. And and again, I think it's one of those perspectives we don't often talk about in counseling and when we're training counselors. Um, In fact, I've started making a very intentional effort in my classes now because I teach graduate students in counseling. Um, I I talk about money and I say, let's talk about money. Let's talk about what you expect to make. Um, Because I think the language I always heard when I was going through grad school was, well, we're not doing this for the money, like I said before, or people would say, well, you'll never get rich doing this. And and that's fine with me. I don't I don't aspire to be rich. That's not, you know, something for me that feels like a fundamental life goal, but the fact that it's sort of tossed around so casually to me is is problematic. And the idea, I I love what you said about the guy working in the schools that if he can look at how to make that much money in a short amount of time, there's all this other time freed up to do really amazing things in the community and to become a broader community advocate for overall wellness instead of just working you know, in the salt mines one client at a, at a time and, and never getting out of the office to see what else is going on. Um, and, I, and I would imagine that getting to do different projects and participating in different community events really charges your creativity too and brings you that energy that you need to keep being successful at what you do. Oh, absolutely. I I think a couple things come to mind when you talk about creativity and when you aren't when you aren't feeling like you have to just keep your 20 say 20 clients is what you need to make your own personal mortgage payment, pay for food, live the lifestyle that you have. When you don't feel that same pressure, it's amazing how your brain uh, just opens up so much more to creative ideas. And it's sort of like when someone is just their paycheck is paycheck to paycheck, and they're not going to start doing self-actualization until they have those basic safety and needs met. In the same way, we as counselors, if we're just have to keep 20 clients a week to make ends meet, it's going to be really hard for us to then say, well, how do we creatively expand the field? Uh, a lot of times, uh, I kind of think of the idea of sushi. So sushi, 10 years ago, was never in supermarkets. There might be one sushi restaurant in an entire town, if you're lucky. Yeah. But that market, 
has grown so much through awareness, through people trying it, through just a variety of things that it wasn't a limited market. If we looked at, well, how many people eat sushi on a semi-regular basis 10 years ago versus how many people do it now, when, when we have creative ways of whether it's marketing or exposing people to new things, what it does for a field is it expands it. Now every you know, almost any Asian restaurant and even non-Asian restaurants and supermarkets have sushi in some form. And so Mm -hmm. that market has exponentially grown. So if we can do that same sort of thing within counseling by having innovative ways that we're offering counseling and kind of tapping into the theories that we believe help people, that can expand our market so that it's not limited. It's not like there's only a thousand people that need counseling in our community and, you know, all of us counselors are in competition with each other. Instead, we should be saying, how do we expand the market so that we can help people in different ways? So there's a couple ways that I've done that in the Traverse City area. Um, one, we live on the water. We have a beautiful West Bay here, uh, and it's just a gorgeous part of our country. And so uh, I'm really into sailing. And so this summer, I started offering uh, family counseling on the sailboat. And so uh, not only are they getting a unique experience as a family doing counseling and learning how to sail this 50-foot boat that I've partnered with a local nonprofit to use, um, but they're also getting exposed to this nonprofit. They're uh, getting exposed to a resource in our community that they maybe wouldn't have been exposed to. And it also then destigmatizes the idea of what counseling is. And the second thing that I launched was this, it's called Dinner and a Counseling Session. And so um, I worked with a local French restaurant that has a very similar market to kind of my market and asked, hey, can I get gift certificates at a discounted rate? And what would be fair for you? Uh, I could bring in some business for you. We're going to get some unique press because of this because it's just such a different idea. And instead of going out to the movies uh, and then having dinner, dinner than the movies, uh, what if people came in for a counseling session? And it was it was aimed really more at the people that maybe in their marriages or in their relationships needed like an oil change for the relationship rather than a complete engine overhaul. Mm-hmm. And we used that language in the marketing of saying that uh, you can get something out of even a short counseling session. And it was meant to really just expose people to it that maybe never would have even thought hey, let's do counseling. And we saw the reaction was just amazing. And we got so much free press out of it. And uh, we're then in people's minds as a clinic that now is innovative and on the cutting edge of ideas. And so it, it helps us, but it also helps the whole field of counseling. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really trying to create these win-win relationships where that French restaurant or that nonprofit with the sailboat wins I win in regards to my private practice, and then I guess it would be win, 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 and then that client feels like they really got something out of it that was unique and worth their money and was an experience that really mental wellness counseling was the only one that could have facilitated. And wow. So, yeah, so those are just kind of some of the ideas that come to mind when you talk about when when you're able to have less hours that you're working, you can still expand the field, and then it's like a snowball effect. It just takes off running and then you get more and more clients because you've helped create a brand for yourself that's unique and different and stands out from everybody else without being so far out there that you're completely outside of counseling and people uh, like don't want to come just because you're so far out there. Right. Absolutely. I, I love that. As you're talking, um, I, I kind of gauge like how I'm feeling about things when I when I talk to people about our field, and I just get so excited to think about the stuff you're doing. And I think that that out of the box thinking is something again that we don't really talk about so much in traditional training. 
Um, and it's one of my great frustrations that we do sort of get locked down to talking about theories and talking about, um, you know, mental illness and how to do diagnoses and that kind of thing. We don't talk about how creatively you can manifest your career in ways that are entirely ethical, that are entirely professional, but step outside of the really traditional ways of looking at therapy and what therapy has to mean. And I think that's really exciting. I think it's good for our field as well. Because one thing that seems to be happening to me um, in counseling in particular, as we kind of bump up against social workers or we bump up against psychologists, um, those professions, those two professions in particular, are older than ours and they've been around a little bit longer. They're a bit more well-established. So they, they perhaps have a stronger insurance reimbursement presence or um, Medicaid presence than we do as counselors. So it, it provides an amazing opportunity for counselors to really step out and say, well, you know, if we're not going to be able to be as successful financially or professionally through these really traditional venues, we can find new ways to do this that not only reward us professionally as individuals, but also create a really innovative and dynamic professional world that we can all exist in and create really amazing things together that exactly what you're saying, provide a benefit, a win-win for your counselor, I mean, for your clients, for yourself, for your community, um, I mean, all of that benefits from us being creative and really thinking innovatively about how to apply our skills. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Word up, I say. (laughs) Um, The other thing I've really noticed that I'd love to get your feedback about, and this is something that I really talk to my students about as they're getting ready to go out into the world. Uh, One thing I do is I do corporate training. And so I go into um, different organizations like I work with the city of Winston-Salem, which is where I live. So I work with all the firefighters and police officers and white-collar workers that work for the city. And then I also go into different industries here in town and corporations and do training for them on leadership development, motivation enhancement. These are things that we are naturally expert in. We know how to talk about um, you know, the role of motivation at work, how to listen with attention to um, employee concerns, for example, how to identify potential leaders in the field. These are things we just know how to do. I never had a class, I never had a lecture on how our skills can really be transferred into more of the corporate setting or more of a private setting in that educational way. And so I'm wondering what you think about that. Do, do you see counselors having a role in, you know, corporate training, corporate leadership development, um, and how can we sort of promote ourselves and learn to promote and market ourselves in that venue? I, I think that absolutely. Uh, I think that we are kind of natural experts in the area of motivation in regards to uh, just learning how do we uh, help a business grow. Uh, I mean, we're talking about human behavior. That's what we do every single day. But I think it, it again goes back to the mentality shift of the counselor and and honestly for the counselor to find what they enjoy. And I think that some counselors may say to themselves, well, I don't want to work in the business field. But And I was one of those people several years ago where uh, my brother, he's a business consultant. He applies psychological principles all the time to help people uh, in the business field for them to improve their bottom line of making more money. But uh, when I realized that I could do it in a way that still fit my personality, still fit my feelings of social justice, my feelings of helping the world and creating a, a world that's better, uh, and found that really there wasn't this top out in regards to how much money I could make. Uh, and 
for me, that was really freeing because I had always just thought, oh my gosh, like in our community, the highest paid counselors are going to be at, you know, CMH or the community college. And, you know, that's just going to be the, the top of the field. But to be able to realize that you can actually bill more uh, often to corporations or to other groups, or it's not even based anymore on even your real time, which is part of why I launched uh, practice of the practice, which I can talk about later in regards to creating passive income for yourself as well. Um, and so I think that when we look at opportunities, we've got to find what fits kind of with us. Um, and for me, I've done some corporate uh, work, I've done some consultation there, but it hasn't been my primary focus, which uh, isn't that I don't like it. It's just uh, I haven't pursued that as much as some of the other things that at the time have really excited me. But I think that each counselor um, when we limit ourselves to the couch in the office and counseling, uh, we don't necessarily have the same outcomes uh, as if we think innovatively. So, like, for example, the, the sailing program that I talked about, um, I also launched, uh, this is now our fourth season, a program where we take youth that are from at-risk environments out sailing for a week, and we do counseling right on the sailboat. And we've seen between a 70 and an 80% drop in their psychological symptoms in both wow. intensity and frequency uh, within that one-week intervention. And we see that that sustains at about 50% over the next year. And so you know, when I talk to other clinicians about this, and we now have four years of evidence behind us showing that this really is working and that we're seeing a significant drop with these kids, uh, it's it's something that could never happen if you got a bunch of teenagers in an office setting. Um, there's something about being out on this sailboat, uh, you know, pulling the lines, feeling that confidence, having the natural consequences of if you're not listening and then somebody you know, says, hey, grab the port side halyards, uh, and they weren't paying attention earlier, you know that right away. And so you can teach things differently on a sailboat than you could maybe in your office, uh, and in with teens in particular. And there's a million different things in the world that are the sailboats in your region. So you may not have lakes or sailboats or even want to sail, um, but there's ways that you can take those counseling and psychological principles and apply them to new and different and innovative situations. And that's going to both expand the field, but also expand your own private practice and expertise. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one thing I want to touch on, and then I do want to talk about practice of the practice, but you just said very clearly that you are tracking outcomes for some of the things that you're, you're using with clients. And I think that's just a really important thing to, to stress, that when we track outcomes in that way, we can really explain to others why what we're doing is effective. And so it sounds like that's been really important for you and your, your own progress. Oh, yeah. I think whenever you try something new, you've really got to, on the front end, look at what is the data that we're going to take and take more data than you uh, even think you'll need because you can always say, oh, we don't need that later on. Um, but if you can, from the front end, set it up where you're doing pre- and post-surveys, even if it's not you know, research journal-ready, it's at least something. And when you're looking for grants to help fund things, whether it's through your local United Way or Rotary or whatever opportunities are in your own community, they want outcomes. They want to know what you're tracking and what you're going to continue to track and how they're going to know that that money was used in a wise way, which is good. We need to have that accountability. Um, and I think that that mentality is part of the equation of innovation. We need to support it through saying these exact things happened and this is what we're reporting and here's how we know that this was successful or it was unsuccessful. And I think that those same principles also apply when we try new marketing things, when we try new outcomes on our website. If, if a counselor 
or any business for that matter, doesn't have Google Analytics and doesn't have uh, all of the things that we can now track and look at to understand what's working and what's not, again, we're wasting our time. We're we're doing something and just hoping that it works. So uh, I have a newsletter that I send through my private practice, and I also have one through practiceofthepractice.com. And I use this um, online system called MailChimp. It's similar to Constant Contact, except it's free. And you can look yeah. at so much data. Uh, you can see what people clicked on. You can see what percentage opened it. And you know, like, if people are actually reading your email that you've put all this time into. And uh, same sort of thing through the website to really look at the analytics of, you know, when I did this blog post, did anybody read it? Oh, looks like 60 people read that yesterday. That's awesome. 800 people hit my website this month. And then you can then use that in kind of whatever way you want, whether it's trying to get guest bloggers, whether it's trying to um, just understand your market better. all that data then helps you really be able to adjust your behavior to be more efficient as a counselor and a small business owner so you're not wasting your time and you can spend more time doing the things that you want to do. Right, right. I love that. Beautifully said. And I'm a big fan of MailChimp. Um, yeah. I, I've been using FeedBurner, and we'll get to some of this in just a minute, but I think MailChimp is a really awesome program for people to use if they want to be sending out newsletters and, and tracking, as you say, who's checking out what they're actually sending out from their site. So I think that's fabulous. I just wanted to mirror that. So let's talk about practice of the practice now that we're on the technology a little bit. Um, can you talk about what it is, how you got started doing it, and what do you offer on that website for practitioners? What kind of things do you want to put out there in the world? Sure. So um, practice of the practice really kind of came out uh, probably last January is when a lot of my uh, just research of kind of how to run your own website started to just amp up. I had had a uh, my private practice website was through Microsoft Office Live, which was just a free kind of hosting, and they decided that they were going to start charging. And so I started to look around and saw that uh, really I wasn't getting the, the I wasn't showing up as well as I could in a lot of the search engines. Um, when you typed in Traverse City Counseling, I showed up on page like 10 or 12, uh, wow. and it was really frustrating because and I didn't understand enough about like even how that worked. So uh, I spent a lot of time just learning about what kind of it took to run a website, and so it all started out of me being cheap and not wanting to spend four dollars a month on you know Microsoft Office. So I talked to some friends of mine that are really good with design and computers, and uh, they had pointed me to uh, WordPress to um, kind of design your own websites. And I had been listening to and reading through this blog that I really like called smartpassiveincome.com. And uh, this guy uh, is just a genius in regards to creating passive income streams, which um, for those of you that don't know, passive income is is things that aren't based on real time, where one hour does not equal this. And it's usually more in online um, type things, where the idea is that you can make money while you're even sleeping. And it's not some big Ponzi scheme or buy into this. It's uh, just figuring out ways to, in some ways, make money online. So I started thinking, well, what skills do I have that are actual value um, to the world? And I had just done a a teaching at the local university uh, with a group of master's level counseling students. And it was all about uh, counseling private practice and kind of the business of private practice. And uh, I had this idea of what if we had a website that was all around just the things that we didn't learn in grad school about running a private practice. 
so I started looking around, and there was a handful of them, but most of the websites looked kind of cheesy and didn't really um, kind of resonate with me and what I think people maybe in my generation would value or learn or any of those kind of things that I thought would be good. Um, and so I just decided that I was going to launch this WordPress uh, website and um, just learned about how to link it uh, with my Bluehost account. And um, so I went from there and then just started blogging things that I was learning and uh, all the things that I had learned. And kind of as I did it more, I realized I, I know a lot more than I thought I knew. Uh, I think mm. we all have those kind of moments in our life. And and as you learn more, you just realize, wow, this would be a great post that I think people would really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of the main point of practiceofthepractice.com is to help counselors that are in private practice to be more awesome. Uh, that's kind of been my tagline and even in that, I just wanted to kind of show that although I'm helping people hopefully grow in their private practice, that there's also um, a little bit of my personality behind it, that I don't take myself mm-hmm. too seriously and that, um, you know, I, I think for me, I just want that to resonate through my writing and through the things that I do, that I'm, I see myself as kind of more creative and um don't have the typical kind of counseling private practice. My my website for my private practice doesn't look like a lot of other ones with trees and rivers and lakes. Instead, I have you know just kind of a different design. So um, on practice of the practice, uh, I focused on kind of marketing, business plans, setting up your own website. Uh, I talked about how within six weeks I got to the front page of Google uh, with my counseling private practice and doing all my own search engine optimization. And um, just in the last week, uh, I'm pretty pretty excited. I finally am outranking psychology today. I thought that I would never dethrone them from from their space when Traverse City Counselor or Traverse City Counseling or Traverse City Therapist because they're just such a mega website in every town. Um, but yeah. I'm finally outranking them as well, which nice is job. super exciting. That's awesome. Congratulations. I know Thanks. what a big deal that is. It's a really big deal. Well, I, I just really wanted to comment, and I'm glad you brought this up because I would made a note to myself to ask you about this, but one thing I really like about both your websites, and also you have a Facebook presence as well, I want to mention that to you, is that your personality really does shine through. And one thing that I've always felt um, as a counselor, and I always laugh at this whenever I show a video, for example, when I'm teaching, there's always like flutes. There's flutes and there's music and there's <laughs> rainbows. And it's all very, I mean, that's all very nice. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But there's a sort of cornball feel, I think, to a lot mm-hmm. of what counselors do. And and there's a feeling of like, you know, we're here to just help. And there's, it's all very soft and like we're all living on a cloud. And, and I love your sites because you're like, you know what, this is, it, it, there's, there's humor to it and there's a little edginess to it. And and it's much more direct, and you really make counseling and also private practice as well feel extremely accessible. Uh, it feels very non-threatening. Like when I look at your 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 counseling site for your private practice, I look at that and I think, wow, if I were a client, this would connect with me because I don't get the feeling I'm going to go in and be traumatized by the experience. I'm going to go in and be helped, and it's not necessarily going to be this, you know, three-year-long, super intense, crying every day kind of process. This person wants to really help me. And I think practice of the practice has a similar feel. It's all about, you know, this is a, this can be really fun, and you can be creative and energized and, and have a great experience in private practice. It doesn't have to be painful. It's not all about paperwork. And I, I just really, I'm impressed by that. The tone of both of your websites is extremely positive and fun. 
Well, thank you so much. Uh, you yeah. know, you never know how people really feel about it, and it's nice to hear that uh, it feels accessible. And, and I am a pretty direct counselor, um, hopefully in a nice way, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I, I hope that that comes through uh, in the websites. Uh, I know that for me, practice of the practice uh, has been just really fun to develop because I have recently got a lot of just great feedback from people about how uh, it's helped them that uh, I did a, the blog post on how I got on the front page of Google in six weeks. And uh, there's a counselor down in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, that had sent me a message saying that she followed kind of all my steps and that within a week she was showing up on the front page of Google. And Ann Arbor is a really pretty big town. Uh, and I mean, University of Michigan's there. And so there's a lot of counselors, there's a lot of brains there. And to, to know that this lady just kind of did it on her own, didn't charge some big SEO, you know, uh, business. She didn't get all this, you know, help and she just did it on her own. And um, right. it's just, it's just really exciting because I feel like um, as counselors, we sometimes sell ourselves short and uh, just to be able to figure out uh, ways to, whether it's add extra income or whether it's ways to just help our clients differently. There's just so much that we can do um, that can help ourselves uh, and to help our clients. Like Absolutely. one example that um, on my old website before I switched over, um, I had you know this whole resource list of books that I recommended under different topics, so parenting books and marriage books and um, just kind of resources in general um, that I had just had Amazon links on. And Amazon has an affiliate program uh, that I found out about during this whole process where uh, you can do a unique link and then you get three to five percent of whatever that person buys on Amazon. And so if someone clicks on a parenting book, for example, that I recommend, and they say, oh, that's great. And they're on Amazon and, you know, maybe it's a $10 book or whatever. So I get a percentage of that. But then if they decide, oh, while I'm on here, I might as well do some Christmas shopping. Why don't I get, you know, $1,000 of other things? I then get a percentage of all that too. And, uh, and so it's like something I was already doing of saying, here's some great resources. I can now get a minor income from uh, that can then help my family, help my practice, and it's such a simple thing. It's like I had the links there anyway, just as a matter of signing up to be an affiliate. And I'm transparent with my clients about all of that. I say I'm an affiliate for these things. I do get a small percentage and um, just want to let you know that. And so because um, you never want to appear slimy or be slimy to your, your clients or to your readers on your website. And so I'm very honest about that, that I'm, I'm an affiliate with Bluehost, for example, because I just have found them to be so useful uh, in helping just set up a website, especially through WordPress. And so um, when people want to set up their own websites, they you know can go to the practice so the practice.com slash website 101 uh, and it has a screen by screen walkthrough so I'm offering content that people want but then I also can make a small income off of those things and so it's just like there's so many things that you can do that I would recommend Bluehost even if I didn't get paid and so mm -hmm. it's awesome that they have an affiliate program where I can get a small amount of money that's going to help me out uh, through that absolutely well and I think you mentioned one thing about the honesty and not appearing slimy. I think that's one piece about sales that that I think counselors really need to hear, that this isn't about 
you know, and you were saying this earlier about the um, the passive income website that you mentioned. It's not about being slimy. It's not about a Ponzi scheme. It's about what do you genuinely believe in, what do you genuinely recommend, and then acknowledging that it's okay to get reimbursed for that. Uh, you know, the whole idea of a finder's fee or a referral fee, that's very common practice mm-hmm. in our society. But I think as counselors, we feel a little bit like, oh, is it okay for me to do that? And it really is as long as you're being honest and upfront about what really, truly works for you. Yeah. And I think that's the empowering piece of it. Um, I'm noticing our time, and we've got about five minutes left. And so I have one question for you, one final question, and then I want to see if there's anything else that you want to toss out there that we haven't talked about. Um, and my question for you is I notice you have a blog um, on your practice with a practice site. And I'm, uh, several people have asked me because I'm a blogger, and I write about pretty personal things on my blog. I, you know, I definitely have a filter, but it's me. I mean, I'm talking about my life on there. And I think a lot of people feel this sense of, you know, especially as counselors, we can't share too much of ourselves with our clients because we don't want to, you know, violate a boundary or kind of get in that weird gray area. How do you make those decisions when you're blogging with regard to how much personal information you want to reveal on your website? So, yes, I have a blog um, both on my private practice website and also on Practice of the Practice. Uh, The big reason that I started the blog on my private practice one was uh, for clients to be able to get to know me a little bit ahead of time and kind of know my tone. But also it helps with your search engine optimization to just have those words, um, counseling, counselor, in your website. Uh, So in regards to deciding what I write about, I, I really, for like the one of my most recent posts, uh, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer in July, and um, I really struggled with: Do I want to disclose this? Do I want my clients to know it? Should it just be on practice of the practice? And I decided that I was just going to write about what I had been learning through that. And I think that when it in the session becomes about me, then that's the line that uh, that I don't want to cross. And not that it can't ever for a minute or two. I mean clients are people too. And so if they do read that post and then, or hear this interview or, and they maybe didn't know that they're going to say, how are you doing with that? Because if you're working with a client and they've poured out all this stuff over time that you've helped them with, they want to be able to give back in a little way. Mm-hmm. So I think you just need to be for one really conscious of just not having that become too mar- too much of their session becoming about you. Um, Secondly, I do think that there's a cultural shift that's just going on now where, um, and I think a lot of professors in particular are struggling with this. I've talked with and consulted with a number of professors and students about uh, Facebook in particular of how do you kind of manage how much people know about you. And people research, typically now younger people will research the heck out of a counselor to try to find things about them. And they come into the session very educated, uh, oftentimes, on their diagnosis or potential diagnosis and who you are and what they like about you. And really, for me, blogging is probably one of the best advertising kind of avenues that I could do. Uh, Blogging and writing for our local paper and then being on the radio, those are all things that help people know who you are as a counselor. And out in the rest of the world, uh, people knowing about your brand and knowing about your business and things like that is commonplace for almost any other business. And mm-hmm. so uh, I think as counselors, we need to start to align ourselves more with what society's expectation is while also taking the lead on what's appropriate and not appropriate. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to go into all the nuances of my cancer treatment for, for five minutes in one of my client's sessions. Um, if they say, how are you doing?, I can say, you know, it's I'm very optimistic, and it seems like things are really on a good path. I'm excited for it, and you know, I'm going to be taking off part part of November to kind of have some recovery. 
So it's quick. It's you know helping them understand what's going on while not having it be about me in the session. And so um, I, th- I think it's going to be something that also kind of gets hashed out in the coming years. And people people want to have information about the decisions they're making with their money, especially if they're not going to be charging an insurance for it. And so um, part of it is meeting your clients where they're at, and uh, and then still focusing on not having that kind of dual relationship or um, kind of having uh, it be about you in the counseling session. Absolutely. I think that's well said. And I know for me, um, I do more coaching now than I do counseling, but a lot of my clients have come to me because they've read my blog and what I'm struggling with or what I'm discussing about my own process, they identify with and they want to work with me specifically because they know I've been there and I can relate. And I think that's a really powerful piece uh, that when we come across as human beings who are engaged in a very, you know, dynamic and personal and important struggle for identity and for authenticity, clients really see that and they can really resonate with that without, as you're saying, over-disclosing or making it about us. I think there's a way to find that balance. So thank you for that input. Yeah, I think that word authenticity is probably the best word uh, for kind of what we're now able to do. Uh, It's one thing to read a profile on psychology today of someone. It's a whole other thing to have them be blogging about aspects of their life that have to do with counseling issues. I mean, I'm not going to go on there and just like talk about, oh, I had dinner with my wife and then I did this. No, I, I'm going to still tie it into the the theme of the website. People come to a counseling website for counseling issues, and so, I mean, from just a marketing perspective, you've got to stay consistent to your brand, uh, and that's where I think that authenticity that that's a great word that you chose uh, because I think that. That's what it does. It creates that you are an authentic person, that you're not just a counselor, you have some life experience, and you've been through struggles too. And, and people now, you know, with if they read that blog post and say they, they or a family member has been diagnosed with cancer, they now know that I'm at a starting point that's different than maybe a counselor that either they don't know if they've been through that or they haven't been through that. And so it can often fast forward um, the counseling relationship as well. Absolutely. Well said. Well, our time's just about up, and so I wanted to see if there's anything left that you wanted to toss into the basket that we haven't talked about or you feel like is really important to convey. I, I think the only thing really is just that uh, to go after it, uh, that if, if, you, if people have ideas, uh, the Internet is very forgiving in a lot of ways in that you know, if you misspell something or you don't do the perfect post or whatever it is that you want to do out there, um, you can often go back and revise it. And uh, I think it's we're at a point in time where someone like us who doesn't maybe have access to mega funds and we can't have a whole marketing campaign, we can do amazing things uh, with the technology that's there right now. And I think that those counselors that aren't on the web, don't have a web presence, uh, are really missing out on some just amazing referrals and exposure. And uh, for people to just go after it and to not limit themselves uh, and to just learn about the stuff they're interested in because uh, there's so many just cool opportunities out there now for the small business owner and to you know, just be a one-stop shop. And uh, for me, I was it was just me for a long time, and then I brought on a, a contractor counselor just because of the the need that's uh, come up from just the past six months. And now he's almost full, and so it's amazing to see that what we can do on our own if we just take the time to really learn about this technology and how we can use it to help our field. I love that. That's 
beautifully said and a perfect way to wrap up a really awesome conversation. And if I can ask you to hang on for one minute, I'm going to stop the recording here in a second. I just wanted to say goodbye to you before we sign off. But um, I want to thank you publicly so much for all of this amazing information. I know I feel really inspired. Like I'm jotting notes down as we're talking like, I need to check into that. Uh, I definitely recommend your websites, and I'm just going to read them off here really quick so that people have them. Your practice website is mentalwellnesscounseling.com. And then your practice site um, for counselors who want to set up a private practice or want to learn about websites, search engine optimization, any of that, uh, is practiceofthepractice.com. And I will post this on my website as well so people can find you more easily. So just wanted to show that out there. So thank you so much, Joe. Well, thank you so much, Cindy, for having me. This has been a a great conversation, and um, I'm just really excited about just talking to people about it. And if you ever want me to Skype in for one of your classes, let me know. I'd be happy to do that. Oh, my gosh, that would be delightful. That would be so delightful. Okay, so hang on just one minute. I'm going to sign off and say thanks again, and I'll talk with you privately in just a sec. Great, thanks. Thanks. 